With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Uh, we have some things to discuss. We reviewed Team Canada yesterday. We're going to review Team Sweden today. Ak will be joining us in a few minutes. Uh, but we, as always, start with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. So, how many years has it been since you saw the last Matrix, Mike? Oh, Mike is gone already. Oh, uh, the last Matrix. No, I just I had I had to um, <laughs> adjust my gla glasses. Um, the last Matrix. I okay. Here's a confession. I've watched the first one many times, and I liked it. Right. The second one, I watched it once and didn't think it was anything special. And the third one, I've never watched. Okay, so it's been 18 years. Since the and first one? Since the last one. Oh, God. Okay. And now a new one's coming out this December. Now, it was supposed to come out last year, but because of COVID, it didn't, right? So as I start to dig in, and I looked at the uh, the trailer, and I sort of held my response to so I could look into everything. Mm -hmm. And first thing I see is no Lawrence Fishburne. He is not. Well, didn't, well, didn't, they, ki didn't they kill off Morpheus? Yeah. Listen. You know as well as I do. If Not, yeah, you know, nobody gets killed off, really. Yes. Really. In these kinds of movies. So he said, I wasn't invited to be in the movie. And if you want to know, ask the director, because I don't know the answer. I don't know what to tell mm -hmm. you. Now, is Carrie Ann Moss in it? She's still in it. Okay. And, of course, Keanu Reeves is. So, so there's that. Um, still, Keanu Reeves is, is the worst beer grower on earth. Like, it's just... It's a horrible patchy beard, but the special effects look good. It looks a little bit too much like Mission Impossible and a little less like the Matrix other than having the pills. And yeah, I remember like the first Matrix, like when he was dodging the bullet and everything else, those were special effects that were just beyond any other movie we had ever seen. Yeah, ahead of their time. Yes, definitely. And, and now everybody's caught up with everything. So I kind of wonder... Has this movie lost its luster? This being the fourth one, it's got to be the final one. I mean, and well, has, it, has it lost its luster? Well, look, I mean, I'm the wrong person to ask because I thought the second one lost its luster. So just imagine with the fourth one. Um, yeah, I mean, you, at a certain point, you play things out. It's like it's too much. It's like, you know, what are you? You're just gonna keep going back. I mean, I, I understand from a money making perspective you know like in hollywood they want something that's going to have guaranteed gate and the funny thing is keanu reeves and lawrence fishburne are in the john wick movies he, right. fishburne was in the second one he's in the third one he's probably got a big any of the john I, I, john wick I, I don't even care for that I'm, honestly I, I, I have no interest they're they're pretty good they are pretty good okay um but i have absolutely no interest in seeing matrix four None. Now, here's how screwed up the movie business is right now. Um, the Bond movie is finally coming out next month after being delayed for, I think, a year and a half. 
Um, Top Gun Maverick was supposed to come out late this summer. Now they've pushed now. I guess um, the same company that has Top Gun with Tom Cruise has Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. That's a they've, problem. They've pushed Top Gun to where Mission Impossible was supposed to come out, which was next May, and moved Mission Impossible to next September or October. So they're just pushing things down, down, down the line because they want the gate from the from the movie theaters. And, you know, not to get too in detail here, but for all the success that, you know, Netflix and these other companies had putting out these movies um, on on net, on networks like Netflix or Paramount Plus or whatever. HBO Max, yeah. Or HBO Max. The lawsuit between Scarlett Johansson and, and uh, Marvel may have ruined that because that was sort of an end around on them giving guarantees in terms of salary based on what these movies made at the, the box end. office on the yeah. back end. And she's rightly pissed off because mm -hmm. she was going to get like millions of dollars because of what that movie could have made in the, in, and because they, it was a good movie. I like it was a good movie. And I think if it was out there, it probably would have beaten. I mean, it was out there. I, I saw it in the theater, but I get but it. Was, but it was limited. It was limited. Yeah. And, and, and the seating was limited based on, based right. on COVID. So, right. um, yeah, no, I, I, I just think, uh, I mean, I think that's going to have a chilling effect on, you know, because they said, well, movie theaters are dead and it's going to go down. It's going to go the way, all the way it's going to be remote. It's going to be this and that. And I'm like, no, they, they make more money. I used to work in the movie theaters. I used to, I was a, I was a manager at a movie theater for, for, uh, seven, eight years. I worked at the theater for 10 years. These companies, they make 90% the first week of the, whatever you pay at the ticket, they get 90% of it. And as the weeks go down, the percentage go, of the, of the, uh, the movie company goes down and the theater goes up. So the theater has a interest in having these movies run for a long time. Right. But these, but these companies, they get their money. It's like a mortgage. They get their money at the very beginning. They get their money right away. And, I, like I mean, I I actually hope that uh, that Scarlett Johansson wins because she got screwed, and uh, they know they knew this was going to happen. You think? How did they? Wait, how, not that they not that they knew what not that they knew what if COVID was going to happen. How did they know that was going to happen? They they knew that they could avoid paying on the back end by putting it out because by putting it out on a service rather than I see. But I mean, but again. Would she have sued if they waited three years to put this movie out like they're doing with these Mission Impossible and, and Top Gun, which is going to be an, an abomination anyhow? But it's going to make tons of money. Will it? I don't know. Yes. I I know I know tons of people who are like, you know, they they love the original Top Gun in the 80s. Tons. We're not talking about your coffee clutch in the morning. Who, who, who are no, talking about people? I'm talking about people my age and a little younger who were 17, 18, 19 years old. When Top Gun came out, I think it was 1986. Yeah, so you know seven people in Buffalo that want to see it. That's great. Shut up. Jesus. I mean, that's really going to affect the box office. Yes. Okay. Uh, let me let me just make this let me just make this personal observation. 
Um, Wait, did you see Funky's post? Mission yeah. Impossible, the Leafs winter playoff round. That's actually that's a good. <laughs> thank, thank you, Funky. And Amazon, uh, Amazon's doing it a little differently, but yes, that's good. And, and Funky, how are the Red Wings doing? Um, okay, so but okay, I love Canada. Canada is my second favorite country. Uh, the U.S. being the first. The second favorite country. Well, hey, what is this to say? Switzerland? I, no. I mean, honestly, was there anybody else you were going to go to? There was never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they, I'm sorry. It was this close between them and the Netherlands Antilles. Come on. Not even Italy. No, screw Italy. My, my family left Italy, so that tells you what I think of them. Um, but this, I'm sorry. We're, we're now over a month into the current border restrictions, and it's unbelievable because, okay, I'm prepping to go up to training camp for the Leafs later this month, and I've been looking at places that uh, do testing, and you need a negative PCR test within 72 hours um, of crossing the border to be able to get into Canada. Okay. The problem is is that – no place, unless you're willing to pay through the nose, can get a result back to you within 72 hours. There are like Rite Aid and Walgreens and all these drug drug stores. They're not fast enough. They're they're two to three. So yeah, the results are in two to three business days. So by the Isn't time there you're an app, one with an app that's quicker. But that's a rapid test. That's not a PCR. You're not allowed test. to take that. Not allowed to take it. It's only is it's only the the uh, the PCR. Well, test. rapid test done now. We don't even bother. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, rapid test give, but rapid tests are like seventy percent effective, so or seventy percent accurate. So it gives you a, a general okay, and then maybe maybe not, but they don't accept it. And to get a PCR test within twenty four hours costs anywhere between one hundred and twenty five to two hundred and twenty five dollars. So. You know, maybe I have to open up a tip jar to get people to donate so I can cross the Canadian border. It's it's abs it's absolutely ridiculous. I would do that. By I'm way, probably Tony going Soprano to. I was not happy with you that you didn't accept Italy as the the next choice. Tony Soprano's mad at you. Well, so, I'm sorry, Tony, but how dare? For, first of all, my, half my family's from Sicily and they hate Italy as much as I do. So anyway, all right, let's start the show. Sorry, I, I alienated half our audience. Yeah, I'm not going to give them a like. Uh, I, I love Italy. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, September 9th, 2021. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, uh, Eck will be joining us any minute. Uh, we'll start with this because it was announced yesterday, uh, but we, you know, with Kevin, we got we got a little far afield and then sort of a, a lost lost track. Yep. Um, Pierre Dorian, who's the longtime general manager of the Ottawa Senators, uh, it was announced yesterday that he has signed an extension through the 24-25 season with an option for the 25-26 season. Now, I've been less critical of Dorian because, really, he is handcuffed by who the owner is. And I, I, think, I think that it's really – it's. Uh, a situation where Eugene Melnick is not exactly flush with cash, and I think that's limited the senator's ability at times to, you know, uh, do what they they could do best to put out the best product. But there's a lot of young talent there, and I think Dorian Russ has been mainly responsible for that. Yeah, he's done a really good job. But there is a point now, and they, they're trying to say they've crossed over in 
the sense that they're saying now they're on the path to some sort of victory here to the playoffs. And I'm not sure they are. I'm not sure they're just not, you know, five wins better than they were last year or even like seven wins and they still come up short. I don't know if I see a path where they're making the playoffs this year. I don't think their goaltending is good enough. I don't think their defense is good enough. Their offense may be close to good enough, but I still think they lack some veterans on some of those lines. And so, and and we don't even know if Brady Kachuk will be in camp. Like, then we're going to start to worry about that. Well, yeah. He's done everything that Eugene Melnick has wanted him to do, so he's been rewarded. But I don't know if Dorian's done everything Pierre Dorian wanted to do. We'll never know that. Well, I think, okay, I think there's some legitimate skepticism when it comes to the organization and their future, and I think that's at the heart of Brady Brady Kachuk's hesitancy to lock himself in on an eight-year deal with the Sens. If he sees a path where, okay, we're really going to compete, we're going to you know, we're gonna be, you know, we're going to add the players that we need to to be a competitive playoff team, then I think he would sign the eight-year deal. But I think he's hedging his bets right now, and I think that's probably the main reason why he's, you know, saying, okay, maybe we'll take the three-year bridge deal, or maybe we'll go five years like Austin Matthews, but I want the, I want the big money even on a five-year deal. There's a reason that these players are, I mean, Shabbat got the, got the eight-year deal at $8 million. I think he got that a little too early, but it was a good, it was a good roll of the dice. Batherson signs a multi-year deal at a little under five million. Colin White, the same, a little under five million. So they're they're basically following the Arizona model, at least the, the Arizona model of a few years ago, getting their young guys locked up on reasonable deals, buying years of unrestricted free agency. But Kachuk Russ is a different kettle of fish. He's a star player. You know, he comes from a well-to-do family. His dad made tons of money in the tons of money in the NHL. His older brother signed a three-year deal with Calgary, and I'll bet you anything, his representation is saying to the Sens, "How about a three-year bridge deal?" Could be. I mean, I, I think he would take five if we're at like nine million dollars, like Kaprizov. I, I think that's what he's looking for. Uh, here's the issue: so we look at the Sens, forgetting about seventeen, the last time they made the playoffs, but in eighteen. 28 and 43 and 19, 29 and 47 and 20, 25, 34. You know, I'm not even counting the ties. And then 23, 28. I mean, again, that's their best record, the 23, 28, and 5. Mm -hmm. But in the end, is that even a good record? It's not even what the NHL would call 500, and it's not a 500. So I just – I look at that and I say they haven't really had progress other than – we could point out good players as a team. They've had no success. No, they haven't had success. And I think some of the moves that they have made uh, in the off season, not this off season, but the previous off seasons, most accurately, the, uh, the Matt, Matt Murray trade. That's really, I mean, okay. They traded for Matt Murray. He had an option for one year and then he was a UFA. They signed him to a four year deal at six and a quarter. Um, if I was a general manager, I would have maybe hesitated a little bit to give him four years or to give him six and a quarter, but he did win two Stanley Cups, so that was a roll of the dice. Maybe but I was, he still wasn't the same even when they got him. Like, the, in, the injuries. I think the injuries have hurt. Have hurt. Right. So I, I don't know why they gave the six. I don't know why. I 
I think because they had the cap space. Okay, fair. So they had the money to spend. They spent it. But in the end, as a franchise, they're really not they're, – they're a fringe playoff team at best. That's the best thing we could say about them. This is year five. Yeah. They didn't spend the money they said they were going to spend. Eugene Melnick said he was going to spend money. It was probably supposed to be last year if we went back and held him to his word. But because- No, it was supposed to be this year. This year was okay. the well, this year he could have because there are going to be fans and he hasn't even spent it on Brady Kachuk yet. Right. And, you know, can you can you say that? And that's not on Pierre Dorian. This is not. No, no, no. That's, he's, he's operating under a budget. Can you can you say that um, signing Connor Brown to a three year deal at three point six million, which is a great deal because he's a really good player. And I, I didn't I didn't want the, the Leafs to trade uh, Connor Brown. Uh, because I thought he had this kind of potential, and now he's realized that in, in Ottawa in a top six role, he, you know, he's only got another year on his contract after this year, and then he's a UFA. Do you think there's a chance that he's going to re-sign in Ottawa? Well, based on Probably not. spending money, no. No, it's and not. And that's the thing. They, they haven't spent the money this year like they were supposed to. I don't know if they're any closer to the playoffs. Dorian's doing what he can under the budget he has, but we were just saying with Ottawa, yeah. they were supposed to spend money this year. They haven't spent it on Kachuk yet. So yeah, like, no, they haven't. They haven't done it, done it yet. It's not to say they won't, but but, but they were supposed to do more than that anyhow. That's yeah. just from within. Yeah, I mean, the, okay, they're promoting their young guys, and I mean, honestly, if I'm them, and, and I have Stutzla, and I have Formanton, and Pinto, and and Norris, you know, and then I I want to promote those guys because they're good yeah. young players. But the thing is, to take advantage of those good young players on their entry-level deals, you have to surround them with veteran players to have a chance to compete. And we all we all know. Look look at the look at the history here. Taves yeah. and on their ELC, Getzloff and Perry on their ELC, Dowdy and Kopitar under unreasonable contracts. The teams win yeah. when these players are being paid less. This is a this is right now the next one to two years was Ottawa's opportunity to win with those players on cheap contracts. And they haven't, you know, you consider adding Austin Watson, that that big move to, you know, no. Chuck signs for $7 million. Let's just say it's seven. Yeah. It gives for them three. $17 million in cap space. Right. Yeah, they're still, like, way under. I know they're, they're – and they, you know, kind of – I mean, there are some guys still out there, you know, guys they've had before that they haven't signed too, which is kind of surprising. Like, there's – you know, there's some UFAs out there they could definitely jump on. Yeah, but they don't want to bring. They, see, that's the thing. They don't want to bring back Alec, uh, uh, bring back uh, uh, Erica Branson, or or re-sign Alex Galchenyuk or any of those. There's nobody. They they'd rather spend that money on the on the players internally than to bring in additional players, because I don't think they in their mind's eye they they don't think they're a competitive team. They're a well, team. Let me ask this class. basic question, and I don't know if any of us know the answer. What is the date that they have to be compliant to the cap floor? Because right now they're not. Uh, the date they have to be compliant to the cap floor is the start of the regular season. Right, it's their first game. Like two days. Right. So if Brady Kachuk says I'm holding out, they're under the cap floor. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's an inter- That is an interesting scenario. I thought about that too. Like they, they really Kachuk has them in many ways there because, you know, he's he's definitely got a lot. He's got a lot of power. I mean, yeah. they're they're going to yeah. get it done with Kachuk. I don't think there's any question about that. It's just the fact that they haven't yet. Is suspicious yeah. unless they unless they have and they're trying to do something else that we don't know about as possible well, too, but I doubt it. 
well, Russ, what they would do then if it if it came if it came down to like two days before the season, they would sign Kachuk to the bridge deal because that would get them to the cap floor. We say that, but Buffalo is also under the cap floor, and Rasmus Dahlin is hanging out there. My my big thing is this: yeah. heck, does the NHL send a note like the township for when you're late on your taxes to say, hey, by the way, um, you have until this date, or or else? Um, are they going to send that note to these two <laughs> franchises that are under the right now? They're under the cap. No, it's no. it's a known it's a known thing. They have to do it. Um, no, yeah, maybe your UFA sitting out there waiting and like saying, "Hey, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity for me here." Like someone's going to have to give me someone's going to pay five million dollars to somebody. Right. Like if Darlene just says, "Hey, I'm ready to just wait this out," the Sabers have to go sign somebody for like essentially almost three million dollars for this oh, year. You know, like that's the other thing. Like, they can't just like. Um, re-up somebody for next hey, year. They have to uh, get this year. I volunteer. The Sabers can sign yes. one years one year for eight million dollars uh, to to get to the cap floor. I'll 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 make the sacrifice. Yes, something has to happen. I'm I mean, just saying, it, hey, name me a year that we're this close to. Yeah, the no, they never the had this before. No, never had this. No, we never had this. And, um, and what what had what, with so little? I mean, I mean, there's players out there that can still be signed, but not even the expansion team has spent more money. No, but not, not right. a lot of players. Not a lot of players out there to be signed for the money right. that's out there. In those right. what, what what could what could happen? What could happen if these teams get close enough to the beginning of the regular season and they they need to get to the cap floor? You could see a Ryan Kessler getting traded to one of those teams and okay. placed on IR just to get them to the cap floor. I would say it's not allowed. Honestly, that's, that's allowed. I know, yeah. but I would say it's not just to hit yeah. the cap floor. I think it feels like it, it. It definitely feels like you know circumvention, but they it is circumvention straight out. But it, you know. is. it is. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I I but you know the circum that whole concept of circumvention we talked about before is is kind of dead. Like they used to have a big problem with it, but now it doesn't seem to exist anymore. So I don't know. I mean, it's a really it's a really interesting point, and, and something I've been working on a blog for for a while. It's like how that's going to how these teams are going to make it to the floor. Um, I do think, you know, Kachuk. There is a, there is a, you know, again, there is a method that the league has of penalizing the team. And honestly, it's not that harsh. I mean, these guys are billionaires. It's not that big of a deal, honestly. But I don't think they can even play, right? Like they can't, I don't even I think, think they, they can play. I don't think they can play. Like from what I understand, from how I used to, at least, at least if you're over the cap, you definitely can't play. If you're under the cap, can you play? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I know you've, you're forfeiting if you're over the cap. If you're yes. under the cap, I think you forfeited into it. I don't think. I don't think there is a method. I don't you think there is. A you cannot play if you're over the cap or under or, or under right. the cap floor. You have to be find a way to com be compliant. Oh, so you have to be compliant. You have to be compliant. So there's no. There's no way out of that. There's no, there's no like draft pick penalty, and you can, you have to be compliant. You have yeah. to be within that range. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, and and you can't, you can't redo contracts either with your own players, and like suddenly give players right. more money, which right. is the other thing so, you think, you know. But you can, so you can. Gary Bettman call Eugene Melnick, and he's hanging up, and the same thing with with Pagula, and he's hanging up the phone because he knows why he's calling. <laughs> I think every, I think, I don't even think the call has to be made. I think the NHL just sits out there and says, you know, yeah. this is it. This is what you got to do. And, and they know it. They're aware of it, and they're waiting for it. And um, if it doesn't happen. But it, is it the start of camp, or is it the start of the season? No, it's, it's, it's the, like, say the, say like the. 48 uh, hours or something. Yeah. Like that before say, before say the, it starts on a Wednesday. They have to be compliant by, like, Monday at 12 noon, something like that. 
So they had till the beginning of October, you know, that first week. October, yeah. like 12th or 13th or so the second week. Yeah. But these guys who are getting, you know, invites to camps and stuff like that, to those to those that should those teams, they could be they could be signing some pretty good contracts because they have to, you know, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to sign pretty big contracts. Yeah, but the but the th okay, and I'm looking at it right now just to see. Yeah, I mean Ottawa only has 43 pro contracts they could sign five players to get cap compliant and you know they because they they have 50 they could they could sign eric you know we'll sign erica branson to a one-year four million dollar contract and that gets them halfway to the to the cap floor yeah that's pretty good for branson i mean you know there's other guys that are out there you know that definitely are still like it's still out there right you know like sammy botten's still out there right last i checked he's yeah. still out there he's still i out mean See, there's a guy. There's a guy that somebody's going to give a pretty good contract to, um, because maybe not. We we don't know. We really because don't. Because they have to. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. because you're going to have to spend your money somewhere, you know. And it's like he's a player who's worth. He's a player who's a four or five million dollar player, perhaps. You know, I don't know. Maybe not. But he's not, just. But they, some team may. But I think more 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 than likely, what again, what happens is there are enough teams at the cap ceiling that are maybe looking to trade a player who's got a year or two left in their contract. And these teams would trade for those guys. Right. You know, because there's cost certainty there. They, the other they, chatter is, by the way, sorry to cut you off, Mike, yep. is so far Logan Brown hasn't signed his qualifying offer. He hasn't done anything. There's talk now. I'm not going to say he wants out because if he wanted out, um, we would see a quote about that. And yeah, I don't think he wants out. But does seem like maybe he does want to be traded or some or he wants to get paid better. And that's another issue again, Eck, because he has a chance of being a decent NHL player, but you have to sign him. Yeah, you gotta sign him. And uh, I know because this has been sort of buzzed around uh, the the rumor world, uh, Logan Brown during the offseason, practiced and worked out with Austin Matthews. And there was a lot of speculation that, oh, if he's working out with Austin Matthews, maybe the Leafs would tra trade for him. I, I don't know. I mean, I think to me right now, yeah. he's nothing more than a borderline NHL, AHL player, but maybe the Leafs would be willing to. He could develop. Mike. He could yeah. develop. He's got, yeah. he's got the size. He's got the skill. But the last thing the Ottawa Senators want to do is trade him to Toronto and then have to deal with the ramifications of, oh, we gave up on right. this guy and now he's good. Right. I mean, the rumor, there are rumors out there that he's wanted out. Yes, that people in the chat room are saying that, but it's not really been officially been announced. Um, and, and yeah, and Nisimov did get a, did get a PTO with, with Colorado, which is a team that does have cap issues, which is interesting. So mm -hmm. to me, you know, um, but it's not, it's not very uncommon at all. The guy goes in and has um, a PTO somewhere else, someplace and signs somewhere else. We've seen that before too. Yeah. We've seen players taken out of the middle of games for it. You know, it's, pretty funny in the preseason the preseason games you know i remember was it i think it was bill garen might have left a flyers game in the middle when he was playing for the flyers on a pto or mm -hmm. or um i think brian berard did as well at one point just like just because you know somebody else offered a contract to him you know right. to get a contract you know so for nisimov go going there i want to say that's what happened with um with umberger too because the rangers had invited him and did the flyers sign him when he was PTO by the Rangers, maybe. I'm not sure. Perhaps. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, so we're going to get into a couple other things today. Um, There's one more bit of real. Go ahead, let's go for that. Let's go for that first. And that's Patrice Bergeron yeah. is not extending his contract. Now, I am not going to jump to conclusions and yeah. say he's going to retire at the end of the season. But 
if all of a sudden after this season, if Rask isn't signed long term and there's no Chara and the team doesn't seem as as good to him, is it possible? I guess it's possible. And uh, extending, yeah. extending on that, Bergeron, uh, with an, in an interview with Fluto Shinzawa, talked about uh, his former teammate David Krejci and said cryptically, "Hopefully, we'll see him back." Yeah, that was interesting. So that's um, annoyed him clearly. Yeah, it's anno- you know, it definitely the whole situation has annoyed him, and he doesn't think you know it had to happen that way. And I mean, certainly they're going to miss him. We all said that. Yeah. Yeah, no, they definitely did. They did. We definitely did. Um, now, if you were the GM, would you go and try and get Krejci back now and see if that smooths things over with Bergeron? I would because I wouldn't want to see Bergeron leave next season because if that happens, I'm already a one-line team. Now what am yeah. I? I, don't, I mean, yeah, but the problem is, Russ, they don't have the cap space now. They I get the impression that they just can't work it out with Krejci. Like that there's that – that, and I and I think Bergeron, although he says that, you know, and although we know where they're going to hurt, they're going to – the decisions they've already made have already put them into that corner. I think they're kind of stuck. And they I think, probably knew what he probably vocalized that beforehand. Anyhow, he's just making it public. They, yeah, and I, I also think that you know, I don't see Bergeron really playing anywhere else necessarily. I think that I think no, he's he's thirty six years old, Ax. So it's very yeah. conceivable that he could retire. He's those are those have been hard years on this guy. But to to, to Rusty come in in January, what's that? Could Krejci come in in January? They don't have the cap space anymore. They spend. If they have the cap space. I mean, no, maybe, no, maybe they do. As much. They can move a player before that. Maybe no, somebody gets hurt. Maybe somebody goes in LTIR. Right. There's if a possibility. That, if that happens, yes. But they spent almost $4 million on Nick Felino. They spent uh, $2.5 million on Halla. They spent $1.75 million on Nosek. They replaced. Yeah. That's that's Krejci's salary right there. They don't that's have the room to sign them. I, for one, like when players who are like 35, 36 start doing this, like they start just go year to year, honestly. Because I think that it's. um. It, it it definitely makes it easier for the team. It, it's it definitely a, a, a favor for the favor for the team. Essentially, doing that, yes. Yeah, if, I mean, you know, and you know, and I think he definitely wants to stay in Boston. So if he's not, you know, th- at this point, he's he's just willing. He, I think this is just a personal decision. He doesn't want to leave them in a lurch. I can't I see I can't see Patrice Bergeron doing a Mike Medano and going to Detroit after like a decade in Dallas. I can't Medano know. did it and Alfredson did it and, and, and regretted it. He regretted it, Russ. Because they all do it. Alfredson did it. Many no, people do it. That's for sure. But it depends. It really depends. I mean, I guess it just depends on where he's at. I mean, Bergeron Bergeron is still really good. So he's better than those guys were when they did it. You know, like Medano has slipped off of his career. Alfredson has slipped off his career at that point. Bergeron's still pretty much. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I mean, all he's right. still he's not like he's at the, at the peak of his game, but he's not far. That's all I got for big news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's good. Um, so we're gonna do two things. I'm gonna do the um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk Team Sweden. We're gonna talk LA Kings prospects. I want to start start with Team Sweden because I may have to run at some point, so I'm trying right. to deal with that. But um, let's get it, let's get it going. Yeah, so we'll start with Team Sweden. Um, this is a couple things that were interesting about this team. You know. You know, when you look at the Team Sweden Olympic team, in, in the past it has always been driven by what feels like a different kind of team than this team that we're about to get, get into. Um, the well, why, why don't we start? Yeah. Why don't we start in goal first? Because that's yeah. Now, you, I it was it was notable that, and I don't know whether it took place yet, but there there was an announcement last month about like uh, the the roster that was invited for the pre Olympic camp. Yeah, and there were some notable absences on that list. Um, they only had invited two goaltenders, and that was uh, that was uh, Lenner and Olmark. 
They didn't. Right. They didn't invite Markstrom. Yeah. But I would think that you know you're going to take three goalies, and Markstrom is going to be one of the three. Yeah, he's he's, he's got to be. I mean, and I mean, you know, he could be unless they decide to you know go with Wallstead, so he's just there because he could be their next great goalie. And yeah, unless he's pissed somebody that. off in 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 the Swedish world. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, maybe there is some something there that we don't know about. Then they could go Wallstead. I mean, that was the only thing I could think of, you know, as to why he wasn't invited, or he just simply said he couldn't go, or or Leonard's the number one, like that's obvious. Yeah, I think Leonard's the number one. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I think, think I, Markstrom's the number one. You think who? I think Markstrom's the number if one. If they both play, like, well, if, if, if if they both get, not if, if he's if, not there. Well, I mean, the, okay, the some people were make because William Nylander was not, and we'll talk about the forwards in a minute. He was not invited, and Eric Carlson was not invited. Was that because there was an injury situation, or was it because they're be, you know because they're not going to be selected? If he's not selected, then obviously, Leonard. no. I think Nylander will be selected. I think Markstrom could be up in the air for some reason. There might, there might, there must be something else there. You know, I don't yeah. know what it is, but it, it, if it, it, it could be anything from something just very, very small, like he told him ahead of time he couldn't go, um, and didn't want to make a big deal out of it or something like that, couldn't go to that camp or whatever, or it could be something you know bigger. That's what we we just don't know. Um, or it could be something you know, it could be something long term. But it, if both goalies are available, if both goalies want to go, I'd rather have Markstrom as a starter too. Um, but if he's if if both goalies. Um, you know, obviously, you know, if Markstrom's not going, then Leonard's your guy and all marks your backup. I think at this point, you know, that's, that's where you have to go. And and that's a really, that's not a great state of affairs for Swedish goaltending in general, like right now. I think I'm not oh, saying. Okay, I'll say this. Obviously, it's not as great as having a, a Hall of Famer like Lundqvist as the, as the guy. But right. compared, to, compared to some other teams, that's not, that's, that's not terrible goaltending. I mean, I think you have options there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. Um, all right. So let's um. So let's go to the offense because the offense is um. There's a lot of different ways, you know. And and I've seen. I looked up, you know, at some after I did mine. I went around and checked out everybody else's around I can find, and everybody had different things going on. Okay. Um, and very much different, different opinions on this. So my top line for this team is um, Zabinajad, um, centering Elias Peterson and William Nylander. and I know Elias Peterson is not generally a winger um but um i think i just think that that's a very that's a very strong line and i think that well, you the, could do that i'm not against yeah that. you just have you have you have enough you have enough centers that i think that you have to make somebody into a winger and i think petters right you know, but, but you do it no but normally you don't want to make one of your best playmakers a winger when especially when you know i've looked at different lists and when you're getting to in okay you don't want petterson to be anything lower than your second line center Right, right. Um, he's got to be on your. But I think the problem is you've got three centers, right? That are that that you and neither none of those should be below your second line. And well, that is who, who are the, who are the other ones? That is Pedersen, Zabinajev, and Backstrom, right? Like to me, right. those the all three of those guys have to be in your top six. Well, yeah, see, I I think Backstrom can be can be in uh, your third line center. I mean, he could be. He, he could, could be, be a third but line I think. Center. I mean, I I don't I don't know because then he, he would never complain. Let's put it that way. Right. He could be right, but I, I I don't know. I think that, that I don't see Team Sweden doing that the way Sweden works. You know, like I just don't see that they they have very they have a lot of loyalty to guys. I mean, you you, you go ahead, Russ. I was gonna say if you do what X suggests, then you could um, basically you're just making uh, William Carlson your third and Ericsson Eck your fourth. I mean, that's fine. It'll work. Well, I'm actually making Lindholm my fourth, 
But I'm making Carlson my third, yeah. See, Lindholm can play the wing. He can play the wing. Yeah, he can. Yeah, I would have Eric Sinek over Lindholm, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the t- I mean, I didn't put him on my team. I mean, and that's, you know, and it, it's, I mean, Lindholm so- will make the team. I, and Eric Sinek's going to make the team. It's just a matter of if he starts or not. I would rather have somebody, a power winger like Landeskog or a Forsberg on the on the top line left wing rather than than yeah. Patterson playing out of position. I, I, you want if you want to maximize your abilities, you play Pedersen where he normally plays. And you know, you can say, oh, he's gonna be a bat- matchup problem against Crosby or against somebody, you know, uh, Jack Eichel if Jack Eichel plays for the US. Yeah, it's gonna be a matchup problem for the other guy because Pedersen is so quick yeah. and, and so such a great playmaker. So I don't think you take him out I take him out of his normal MO, you put him up the middle and you make you other gotta remember my uh, Pedersen's lousy of faceoffs. Like this year was his best year at 45%. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I get that. Yeah, he is. And, and you know, and you can't have like, you know, you have like Mitch Marner's a playmaking winger. You have playmaking wingers. Right, but um, Mitch Marner is a winger. He's He's been right, a winger. But you, but I'm just saying you have guys who can play the wing. Like, I mean, it's my my second line is is Backstrom with Landeskog and Nyquist. Um, See, I Nyquist. Nyquist. Yeah, I like Nyquist. Nyquist. I really rule out Nyquist because he missed almost all of last year. With I know, I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he's healthy. If he's healthy, I think he's, I think he's there. Um, and just from talking to people in Sweden, they just are so high on him. Okay. Um, I don't that think I think that he, I mean, he might not make it, but I, I mean, but he, and based on what we would think, but remember that you know, again, this isn't just an NHL thing. It's like. It, this is the you have to look when you especially when you get into in the, into Sweden, Finland, and Russia. You have to look at what they think of locally as well, like how they sometimes they think their guys come over here and aren't used right in different in different situations. They think sure. they're better than they should be. Nyquist is one of those guys. That's that's what I keep hearing that they think he's a superstar. I think Lucas Raymond will be added before Nyquist. That's what I think. Yeah, I would do that too myself. I'm just saying that, I'm just, yeah. you know, I, but based on what we've seen, but they have I, I they have a much higher opinion of Nyquist from what I've heard than we do. Okay. And whether if that's the case, then then you know he's up there. Now that also puts a, together a third line of the two predator players, right? Um, in Forsberg and Arvidsson, and you know the players who played together in the past. With I'm not Williams. against that because I'm not sure Forsberg's been so inconsistent. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's not better just to play those guys together. I, and that's where I put Carlson as a center. I put Carlson centering those two guys. I think yeah. that's that's a solid line. And I, th- I think that, you know, you get that, that they, they play a similar style to each other. You can see that line working right away. It just, that, that seems like a really good third line um, in the, in, in this tournament to me. Um, but then it gets complicated and it, it's complicated already. But then the fourth line, like um, my fourth line is uh, Lindholm with Raquel and Olofsson. And, and a lot of people don't think Olofsson's ready yet. I do. Uh, he'll make it. I think he's ready. I think, I mean, a lot, if nothing I, else, he'll be one of their better power play guys. I like, couldn't find see. many people who put him on their list after I did mine, you know, after I went through and did it. He was the one player. People, a lot of people had Nyquist on there, believe it or not, but no, he's, um, Olsen's on the half wall on the power play. He's got a bullet yeah. shot. He's really good on the power. Play. Yeah. I think he's got to be on there. Um, but I don't think he'll be anything more than a fourth liner because he's really, I think five on five. He's not, he's, he's barely a break even guy. And sometimes he's a liability as a five on five guy, but as a power play guy, if you put him with a skill, like he could be higher in your, higher in your top, maybe top nine based on the fact that if you put him with a guy who distributes the puck, he could score, but he's more effective on the power play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't put that, you know, I didn't put, you know, 
Eckhart, you know, the, the Raquel, you know, Raquel, I think will make it. Erickson, mm-hmm. Eck, definitely. Silverberg uh, is, is another mm-hmm. option, possibly. I feel like he's fallen off a little bit. Yeah, you know? I do feel like he's fallen off too. Like this, like he's he's a he's a borderline player on this. If he gets off to a huge start, but maybe you know, but which is what you're going to see, I think, in the fourth lines and things like that is, is players who come out really hot. Like there could be some young players that come out really hot, like, you, you know, younger, especially, you know, someone said something in the chat room and you mentioned somebody too, like Jesper Bratt, right? That's a, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, I think if he, he's fallen off. Yeah. I think he's fallen off too, but if somebody comes off really hot in the beginning of the season, maybe one, one of the things, one of the things that was curious about the, uh, the invitees uh, to that camp were uh, was the fact that uh, guys like Carl Haglin, you know, role players were invited, which, yeah. You know, the, we've seen down the you know we've seen in the past. You know, like Rob Zaminer make it for Team Canada or Chris. Yeah, they could put Hagelin on the team. That is a possibility. Those are the big third party Sweden, like I said about their loyalties, and that's why I think Backstrom is 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 a second is in the top six. I think you know, and then they just have like Hagelin the same thing. They have a yeah, little, I can see so. them starting that way for sure. Um, I mean, okay, here here's a couple other names: Andre Burakovsky. Yeah, I mean, he'll have a chance. He will have he a, chance. a shot. Uh, some people are really high on him. I've seen him even on the second line, but I, I just, I don't know. Michael, Michael Backlund. Mm. Alex Wenberg. No, no, more of a role player. Uh, Matthias Janmark. He could make it if they don't have Hagelin and they want to use a guy in a lot of situations. Then Janmark could make it. Like that Raquel position that I have is that, that to me is up for grabs. Like that's yeah, but Raquel, uh, as long as he's scoring goals, he's gonna make it. Oscar Lindblom. Well, I don't think he's ready. I think he a couple of years ago he was ready. He's he has to regain his scoring touch. He hasn't regained. Yeah, that yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, moving to the defense, um, it's a solid defense. That's for mm-hmm. sure. It's a really, I mean, to me, the top pairing is Hedman and Dahlin, um, Darlene, um then Klimberg and Carlson. And then Lynn Lindholm and Ekman Larson. Those are my six. Well, okay, Hedman and Darlene will not be a pairing because they're both lefties. Right. Um, you, you know, you probably it's probably going to be Hedman and Carlson. Yeah, because they played together a lot. Yeah, that's the past. True. I, I forgot about that point too. You yeah. know, Carlson, even though he's fallen off, you know, like uh, yeah. doesn't I mean, matter. it doesn't right. matter for Team Sweden. And they is interesting, really interesting stat I saw yet on uh, Reddit today, which I thought was interesting. Um, I, I thought this is a good time to kind of bring it up. Is the zo- somebody put up the zone entries per sixty minutes for defensemen? Uh, who had the most? Who the top twenty in the NHL? Really interesting stat, you know, the zone entry per defenseman. So basically, that's a guy carrying the puck over the a defenseman carrying the puck over the blue line. You know um, how you know how often you know that would happen in um, in a sixty minute period. You know who who was the leading guy for that kind of thing? And and you know um, number one was. Is a pretty who do you think number one would be on that one? No, number one for for what act for zone entry for 60 minutes per defenseman for defenseman zone entry 60 minutes. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Obviously, somebody who plays a lot. Yeah, I, I think it is, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Hampus Lindholm. Okay, Lynn, let me see where Lynn, Lindholm is not on the top 20. Okay. How about that? Um, and you had Ekman Larson's not in the top 20 either. Jonas Brodin. Jonas Brodin is not in the top 20. Interesting. John Klingberg. All right, Klingberg is on there. He's number 14. Wow, even Klingberg's 14. So then it's got to be Hedman then. 
Hedman is number 18. Wow. Well, who's this, number- that's why I love, I love this. That is really fascinating to me. Um, what's interesting is that there's two stats that this person put up on Reddit that are fascinating zone entries for 60 minutes and giveaways for 60 minutes. And some of the ones with the top zone entries are also some of the ones with the top giveaways. It's just, it, which is interesting because you're seeing, you know, guys who are taking chances. You know, they're, right, they're so taking. Let's hear it. Who is it? All right, so number one, Roman Yossi. That should have been kind of obvious. I mean, like mm. to me, to me, Roman Yossi definitely leads that. It also you have to look at, you know, teams. I thought we were lead. only talking about Swedish defensemen. That's oh, no, why no, no, I only no, mentioned. I'm sorry. Sweet. I'm sorry. Okay. I only mentioned Swedes, but Yossi, I oh. still wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, like to me. You look at what where you look at what you look at for this stat is teams that need the defenseman to carry the puck in, like the teams that need that that you know need that who don't have the forwards to carry the puck in sometimes. Well, you know? Where's Adam Fox on that list? He's not. He's not. He's not on this list. And he won the Norris. And he won the Norris. I know. So it's a it's it's a bizarre it's a bizarre an stat. That's an interesting thing right there. Yeah. So I'll go through some of the. Kel McCarr has to be high on that list. Kel McCarr is number three. All right, so um, Kyle is number three. Roman Yossi is number one. Number two is Eric Carlson. Now, Eric Carlson had a horrible year last year, according to all of us. You know, and he did. And, he, and there's no question about well, that. His We're team's not, bad. Right, his team is bad. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing is that he is like – now, the fascinating thing about this, like I said, the other thing – if you ever go to giveaways per 60 minutes, turnovers, turnovers per 60 minutes, you know, Eric Carlson is number eight on that list. As the so he's high on both lists. He's high on both lists. Um but you know that it's kind of it's kind of interesting because you know Roman Yossi is number twelve on this list. So this is defensemen who kind of have to. Yeah, that's what that's what you hit it right on the head there. These yeah. are defensemen that have to bring it up. They have because to. That's the only way that offense can operate. Right, because number four is Alex Pietrangelo. Um, number five is Miro Heiskanen. Okay, so the thing about Pietrangelo is, yeah, he's safe. But he's yeah. not the best guy to use in that situation. Right. Where's more where's Morgan Riley on this Morgan list? Morgan Riley's 10 on the list. Yeah. There so, you go. So number six is Dimitri Orlov. Seven is um Sam Girardi. I mean Sam Sam Girardi. Samuel Girardi. Sorry, Samuel yeah, Girardi. Um number sense. eight, Gustav Forsling, you know, um from from yeah. Florida. Number nine, Shea Theodore, ten Morgan Riley, eleven Mackenzie Weger. Um, 12, Nick Letty, 13, Justin Falk, 14, Klinberg, 15, okay, Thomas. But, but here's, all right. So two things. Yeah. Nobody really wants Nick Letty or Justin Falk on their team. Right. That's the interesting. They're not right. bad defensemen, but they, if you were trying to tell me that you're mm-hmm. now going to trust them to be the number one guy bringing up the puck for you. And they're not on some of the, in some of the cases, Letty won't be, um, right. They're just good at it otherwise. So they're, they're like the second option. I wouldn't, teams wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, and then, you know, McAvoy, 16, 17, Rasmus Dahlin, 18, Hedman, 19, M- Matthias Ekholm, who is also. Hughes. You haven't even said it. I know he's not on here. 20, Jeff Petrie. So 19, Matthias Ekholm, who's also number one in giveaways for 60 minutes. Matthias Ekholm is. So. Yeah, I can see that. So it's it's a bizarre it is a bizarre it's, list. The game has fallen a bit. Um, yeah. But here's the funny thing, X. So we don't have the Norris guy there. We yeah. Don't have the best offensive defense, second best offensive or third best offensive defenseman there in Quinn right. Hughes. I'm not sure. I'm really putting too much. Yeah. Stock in it. Right. Um. What is, basically, you have to ask yourself what what yeah. does that mean? And I think what it means is these are guys. These are guys who are trying to do a lot. What it yeah. what it means is somebody who has a PhD in math decided that they needed to get into analytics for hockey 
and, 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 deci and decided that it was a worthwhile statistic when it's not worth crap. Here's what I will also say. Um, and already Simone Edmondson is, is making some real good headway in Forlunda. He is going to come on like a house, of, mm -hmm. house on fire. He's 6'5", 207. He's probably going to be a last-minute invite. But That's my prediction on that. But yeah. can, we, can we cool? I mean, and I'm not saying he's not a great prospect because he is. But can we cool the Jets when Hawk and Lube is comparing him to freaking Nicholas Lidstrom? I mean, okay. So I got an email. This. I got an email about that from mm -hmm. one Kevin Allen, and he asked me mm -hmm. to give my my report on Simone Evanson. Of course, I I don't think he's Nick Lidstrom, but. There right. are so many things that he does well, and he's already doing them well against men with Orlando. Um, I did say something about Hawk and Lube that I won't say on this show. It was nice. It was not the <laughs> nicest thing, but it wasn't a curse or anything. Um, but at the end of the day, that's a little off. Yeah. 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 I mean, how old is he? 18. 18. He's 18, right? So he's like a man. Like it's just he's a man. So is there a possibility that he gets consideration for the Olympic team? Yeah, I do. That's what I'm saying. I think Yeah, I that's think what I'm curious about. Yeah, that's I know it's an interesting one. He's and, already and... having impact in the preseason there. Yeah. Unless they want to bring him along as an eighth defenseman who doesn't play to sort of get the you know, like if No, no, no. Mike, here is an example. From September fourth, he was a plus one. He had three shots, two assists, and an assist on the game winner. That is consistent with what he has done at every level. Yeah. If he keeps doing things like that, they can't ignore him. Right. Right. Fascinating. That would really be something. I mean, yeah, yeah and and you know, I and Sweden guys like Adam Bolquist or any other guys you can name, but that are young and good, it's gonna beat them out because he's also six five, two oh seven <laughs> and has strength already. Wow, no, that's good. That's going to be something. I mean, that is something to watch for. And I mean, who would he? Has the stat um, passes yeah. for sixty minutes. Hughes is first. Fox is third. And that is passes. what matters in this game because it gets you up the ice and it gets scoring chances. Right, going. passes per six. Passes per sixty. That's very different than carrying the puck in because yeah. you know, obviously, when you're when you're you know, passes for sixty minutes means you're using your team. Carrying the puck in means using your teammates. When you're bringing it up these days, that means that no means you're not. Over. Right. right. And, and that means also, you know, if you, and if you're, so if you're high on turnovers and you're also high on puck entries, that means you're turning the puck over a lot, a really bad spot um, right. where you, where you only have maybe one defenseman back, you know, like a situation where, you know, you have the one guy covering for you, um, you know, so you, you really, that, that, that means a lot of two on ones, three on twos, the other direction. It's a, it's a scary stat um, scary for stat. sure. Um, before we go to the LA prospects, yeah. just to touch back on what we were talking about with Ottawa mm -hmm. Uh, Sean Simpson, who was the one who broke the story about Brady Kachuk not uh, appearing at uh, a Sens camp of a contract, he said, just reported a few minutes ago, Kachuk is continuing to work out in St. Louis. He is confused and frustrated uh, in terms of his feelings about, uh, you know, there's been dialogue between him and the Sens, but it's not led to much. And this is basically the – sounds like it's the standard operating procedure for the Sens because this is the same thing they did with Dylan DeMello before they traded him to – I think it was Winnipeg. So Yeah, but this is – he's not Dylan this DeMello. Is right, but he's not Dylan DeMello. But Dylan DeMello was a valuable defenseman, and they played like the same game. This is a franchise player. No, no, I think – and I give Sean credit for this. I, I've, I've interviewed Sean before. He's a former player. 
He's on the radio there. He, he is really good at his job there. Uh, I think it's exactly what I said recently, and that is they signed Batherson. They signed everybody when they should have signed him first. They got plenty of money. And he's yeah. watched all these other guys get their contracts, and he still doesn't have a contract. And That's I, annoying. Right. And what I yeah. think it is, what I think it is, Zach, is that those guys were signed because they knew that they could get those deals done because they, 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 those were team-friendly deals. Shabbat, yeah. eight years, eight million. Batherson, they give them a little extra money. They buy unrestricted years. Colin White, the same thing. Here, Kachuk is driving the bus. He wants the big time contract. He probably doesn't want eight years. He probably wants three or five. I they don't five, like. And I think right. big money. Right, and you know that's and that's the problem. It's like these players want to be paid big money on shorter term deals, like Austin Matthews, like Makar, like Rantanen, and, and and some teams they want the term. And the reason they want the term is because those teams. I mean, Buffalo and Ottawa. Who wants to who wants to marry themselves to those organizations right now, based on where they are and how they're operating? I, I, they're very different situations. Um, I think more people are more people are interested in, into what Buffalo is doing. I mean, what Ottawa is doing. I'm sorry, what Ottawa is doing right now than yeah. what Buffalo is doing. I mean, Ottawa has shown glimmers where they're they look like they could really be a team. Like they really they have you know you know you'll watch them a couple games and they'll be. I mean, for me, they were one of the teams I would watch last year on the center ice, you know, versus a lot of other teams, even though Ottawa wasn't that good record-wise. I mean, they are this division is going to be hellish for them, no questions asked, um, as far as making anything. As, you know, for them, Detroit and Ottawa have, you know, nothing, no prayer to make this to make the playoffs. You know, they're both in that spot where they really are, because this division is just... I would actually think Detroit may have a better chance. They might, and both those, but both those teams are battling teams that are just in such different well, levels. I mean, they're going to have Cider... And if Raymond starts lighting it up in the AHL, which is possible, yeah, you bring him up, that yeah. could really boost that team and, and you know, put a little charge into him. But that's a, it's an if. It's a very big if, and they'd have to, you know, somebody has to fall for that to happen. You know, like that's the sure. reality is the reality is, you know, between be Toronto, Tampa, and Florida, you've got your three teams, and then Boston, you know, you figure that they're going to be there. Um, Mont you know, and Montreal's a team that's going to fall. Montreal could fall very easily. I agree, but you know you still got to knock off one of those other four teams. You know, and those four teams are are all know. like this season's going to be a, yeah. a different animal because nobody's played a full season in a few seasons, and so That's now true. it's going to matter probably a lot with the older players. They're the ones that I think that are going to suffer, not the younger yeah. players. Yeah, I agree with that. And Ottawa feels like one of those teams that will suddenly be good. Um, like that, the that you know, if they keep going the way they're going, like their young players will suddenly click and they will suddenly surprise you and be better. I, I've been waiting for Buffalo to do that for a couple of years now. Possible. Yeah, with Buffalo, you know, we kind of lost hope in that, but that that was also the hope for Buffalo for a couple of years now. But let's go to LA, who okay. um, and some of the prospects we got in LA. Yeah, Let's so I'm not going to talk about Brand Clark. I like him, but there's a lot to work on with Brand Clark, so he's not going to yeah. come up. We're going to talk about Quinn Byfield and Brock Faber. Yeah, I think Faber's kind of a little under the radar there. I love Helgi Grant. Someone brought him up. He, he's not really a bruiser. He's 6'2". Someone wrote he's 6'4". Playing in the SHL, he's got a lot of talent. Not ready yet to talk about Helgi Grant, but I like him a lot. Anyhow, yeah. so when we talk about Quentin Byfield, I think this will be a year where we're going to see some good impact from him. He He's fast, like he's fast straight line, but he also has like a second gear. So like when he really can turn it on and a little bit of open ice, 
it's going to be very hard for anybody to get in his way and keep him out of the area he wants to try and score in. And, and that's where it's going to be a battle for opposing defensemen. It's not like they have to out-physical him, but they, he's very strong on the puck, so you're going to have to try and get the puck away from him. And I think if he plays it right, like he used to play it in juniors, he's going to draw so much attention to him, mm-hmm. to himself, that the other guys, he's going to be able to feather some passes to other guys and get them into the action. So he doesn't need to be on the top line. He doesn't need to be on the second line. If they put him on third, it's fine. I, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. And if you want to put him on like second power play, that's fine too. Does he, he make the uh, team? Hmm? Does he make the team? Yeah, I think he should make the team. I, yeah. I thought he showed enough last year to make this team. If nothing else, he should get his, you know, eight, nine game look see. Oh, he had right. six last year. Well, I guess you could um no, that was the, they have to have he's not either has to make it or not, I guess. Or he gets two does he get you said I don't know. If you played six the year before, does he get three more? I don't think so. I think it's all in one season, right? It's cumulative. Yeah. Cumulative not, oh, it is cumulative. So they it can is give cumulative. Three games. You can give him three games. Give him three yeah. games and see. All right. So remember, last year because of the shortened schedule, always oh, prorated. Six was the most. So, that's right. so yeah. they gave him what? That's right. That's right. Okay, so they gave him. Everything changed job. last year. Yes. Yeah. So the six is it. And but again, twenty points in the AHL. I saw what he did. I felt like his his defense had to be improved on a little bit. I felt like there was a maturity thing that had to happen, and I think it started to happen like mid season. I think it started to kick in for him. All right. So secondly, let's talk about Brock Faber. Now, this is a guy who was with the NTDP, who is very smart, very fast. The thing about Brock Faber is Mm -hmm. he is one of those guys that knows how to break down the the other team, and he has a really good first pass. I don't know where his offensive game is going to be at. He's not an offensive star yet, but he has the makings where – he could be. Last year with Minnesota, he had 12 points in 27 games. As you know, as a real freshman, a true freshman, that's a really good year. Yeah, so is. I would think this year he's probably going to get like 25 points in 27 games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you start getting in that area, you start having to think, okay, maybe he can do it. Because I think if, when he gets a little stronger, his first step is terrific. But, again, he is just that guy that does everything right, very safe passer, very good shot. You're not going to complain about him defensively. The coaches love him. And, you know, last year he was a plus 17, as an example. And with the NTDP, he was a plus 10. He's always a plus. He, yeah. A couple of years, that's the kind of player he's been. So he's been on this really upward development curve. And so it wouldn't shock me if he only plays one more year in college and then all of a sudden we see him in the AHL and then start to see where that's at. I felt like where they got him in the second round was a real bargain. Interesting. Um, now yeah. – it, the weird thing about it, some people are saying, you know, they the Kings have great prospects and everything like that. Um, I also, I there's, this, I also have like somebody I really trust who just thinks the Kings prospects are the most overrated prospects in the league. Um, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think that's the case. But I'll here, I'll break it down. Yeah. Uh, so as far as a prospects, I would say Byfield definitely. Harcott, mm-hmm. I still would say is an A prospect. I would say. Frank Clark's on the edge, but I'll put him in the A because he could be an A. So they have three A prospects. Then okay. Velarde. Velarde. Hmm? Velarde. He's almost not a prospect anymore. But if he is, he he's more like a a, a B. Okay. He's a B. Bjorn fought to B. Even though they play in the NHL, I'm just talking about what they're going to be in the NHL. 
Uh, those are two of their Bs. And Kaliev, I'll give him a B because if he is a goal scorer like he's supposed to be, he, he can make it fairly quick in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see. He has other parts yeah. he's got to run out. And then, you know, then they have Cs. I think what they're lacking is defense is always strong. Let's face it. The Kings always – they can right. turn anybody into a working defenseman on their team if you give them enough time. Right. Uh, they've proven that. They don't have many offensive juggernauts as yeah. far as forwards. And so, like, I, I like Kupari, but I think he's going to be just a really good player. I don't think he's an all-star or anything like that. Right. I like Turcotte a lot, and I think he's going to be a really good player, but I don't think he's a superstar or anything like that. So I think that's maybe what you're lacking now. Kaliev, beyond Byfield, not nothing. Yeah, yeah. Kaliev could be that sniper. Uh, you know, Pinelli is a nice player too. There's there's not many guys where you say, okay, those skills are unbelievable, other than Byfield and then maybe Brant Clark, if if it all keeps getting put together. Right, right, right. If it all works. Ladder. So interesting. I think that's where maybe people who you trust are falling on with with their system yeah what it's about, interesting what about, i usually hear people say that that team's prospects are overrated that's why i bring it up it's weird. What, about, what about tyler madden yeah madden i think still things have to break right for tyler madden to be a really effective nhler i think he can make it he's certainly smart enough he had to get stronger he was really skinny when he got drafted but he's got mm-hmm. the chops he'll make it but I don't know if he's anything more than like what you would say, you know, is your top nine, but really like a bottom six guy. Yeah. yeah. Probably a third liner. Yeah. No, I see it. I mean, so like you were saying, you know, breaking down, you know, the guy who's very good at breaking down um, defenses and other teams and stuff like that at the college level, that's a totally different world. That That's a stat that's no, he's super smart. Like this is a yeah. kid who's super confident. Yeah. And, and I think having his dad helped him that way because his dad had that kind of brain. Where For sure. We do that too, but – then when you're talking about having the puck in the offensive zone and what he might be able to do with it, he's got some tools for that, but I don't think they're above average tools. I just think they're right. NHL tools. Right. Very interesting. All right. Well, thanks as always for that prospects report for the LA Kings. We will be back again tomorrow, folks. And uh, with more tomorrow, we'll be back with Kevin. We're going to break down the USA Olympic teams. That'll be fun. Um, there's a lot of possibilities there. A lot of, you know, ifs. Which, all, all, which all of this could be pointless if they don't know. If they don't go, which is still a possibility, I don't know. I don't think that's a possibility anymore. You don't think that's a possibility? I well, um, everything in this day and age is a possibility. They, yeah. they, they put so many sort of trip wires in this agreement that one thing happens, they're not going. Yeah, if they have to cancel. If they have to cancel a week's worth of games because of COVID. They're not going. Right. Yeah. So the, 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 it's not etched in stone that they are going. So the really interesting thing about that, then, if there's all are all these, you know, before we get out of here, let's add one little thing. If if there are all these, you know, caveats and things like you know loopholes and stuff like that, are these countries going to be going to be working on backup plans sure. at the same time? Yeah, at the same well, time? absolutely. I think they already have a list. I do want to update one thing on Madden because I was curious when he was drafted. He was 152 pounds. He's still only at 155. And again, I always think a younger player can make it. A smaller player can make it. That's fine. But it's 5'11". Yeah. And so you do kind of wonder, even to break it, when you look at him, to break it stronger than you think. If, yeah. he, if he needs a inside track on how to gain weight, he can call, call me. All right. Well, that's good, Mike. What is, how much does he weigh, Russ? 155. That's what Northeast is. Holy hell. 
at 5'11". So that's where his battle is going to be. That is a battle to to get that strength. So he's going to have to go probably the four years in Northeastern to to work himself at least into strength. He doesn't have to weigh a lot, but he's going to have to be able to have a little bit more strength. Yeah, it's way more than that um, to value the NHL. I mean, that's like – Gerard only weighs like 155. But I think it's different if you're a fast defenseman. Yeah, way different. Way different, I think. I think you can get away with that back there a little more, bit. There's more elusiveness there. Yeah, you're going to have to – you, you, you got to go to the net and things like that as a forward. I think Mars just over 155 now. Mars 180 now. Yeah. He's got to yeah, be. I knew he wasn't 155 anymore. He was yeah. when he was drafted. He wasn't when he was drafted. All right, folks. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you again tomorrow. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.